Welcome to a new episode of Forward Talks, a podcast about moving towards sustainability. I'm Tatiana Antonelli. First, a quick thanks to our partners at RSpace, the first co-working community to connect humans with nature, designed to bring out the best in us. Find out more at rspace.org. As we go through the holy months of Ramadan in our cities, a talking point is the amount of food we waste. Worldwide, nearly one-third of food production is wasted. That's 1.3 billion tons of food every year, while nearly 800 million people go hungry. And for every person suffering from malnutrition, there are two who are overweight or obese. So how do we sustain the demands of a growing population as well as a continued waste production against lack of space and resources to handle this waste? Our guest today, Ryan Ingram, started TerraLoop to tackle this issue locally. TerraLoop's being founded three years ago coincided with the, the launch of the UAE Food Bank, which, if you look at that just as a sign, shows that the focus or attention around food waste definitely reached a level where the national, or the national agenda took, took control and decided to launch a project which around the world was happening, like in France, in the US, Australia, there's a lot happening around food waste for many years. So three years ago when food waste really kicked off is when TerraLoop started. And it, it's still a rocky road. It's really tough. It's not a topic that most people even talk about or think about or even want to talk about because then they have to acknowledge that there is a problem around food waste. Um, so we started out by measuring hotel food waste. We would go in and do a seven-day food loss and waste audit that allows us to understand the volume of food waste being created, why, how much it costs, and then put recommendations or solutions in place to help reduce through tracking we very soon realized that it's, it, it's all very well to design a solution for a hotel that's back of house in the basement or receiving area that does the job, saves on the bottom line, but nobody knows about it. Marketing teams are not really well equipped to deal with the waste topic in the media. So we'd, in our next project, which was up till now, I think our, one of our, our flagship projects, was a partnership with the Russell Kamer Waste Management Agency where they again requested technology to convert food waste and divert it from the landfill. But we pitched to increase the budget to allow for this to be publicly visible. So instead of putting the machines where the garbage skips are, we put the machines in upcycled shipping containers, cut away the sides of the shipping containers, replace it with with glass. We air-conditioned the containers, put sorting tables and composting machines inside put logos on the outside and put them literally in the front of the fruit and vegetable market, at the front of the mall, where people could see what's happening and would be able to ask questions and come and visit. So we designed them to actually accommodate school groups. Um, any kind of visitor can come without any booking. They can literally just arrive and speak to the operator and ask them about what this is all about. And they're called food waste treatment centers. And because each center is equipped with a well-trained and, and a very positive and knowledgeable operator that tracks the waste, they can give data. They can tell people about how much food is being wasted, what kind of food is being wasted. And through these three centers, so we've got two at fruit and veg markets and one at a mall, we've actually found that people automatically dial in and engage and start contributing. We now have daily local Emirati fishermen bringing their food waste themselves on foot from their villas on the way to going out to fish 
and dropping it off. And in the afternoons coming back after fishing and taking compost back, which they get for free from the hub, back to their homes to go and garden. This is fascinating. It's fantastic. And that's exactly why we wanted it to be front of house, if you call it that, to be in the public view. What I believe is if we can make sustainability accessible to everybody, where we work, where we live, where we shop, then we have so much better chance of actually making a difference. We definitely need to work together. So it's interesting to see how your work is definitely to set up a business and to grow, but starts from education and awareness. And uh, yeah. you, you told me you, you also launched a specific initiative for students and youth. So it's called Zero Wasted, one word, with the ED at the end is capital, so it's Zero Waste Ed, effectively. And it's about equipping and empowering students with tools and the knowledge and the inspiration to go from a student attending school and having lunch in their lunchbox and throwing half an apple away or one bite from the apple and the sandwich away to understanding the implications and the effects, the negative effects that these actions have on the environment, helping them to then put basic measures in place like weighing their food, first segregating their food waste, weighing it, logging it, composting it, and growing from the compost, and then, of course, serving something from what's harvested. It unlocks the this ability to make a difference and move away from a disposable culture, the culture that we're all very much fall prey to. They then are taught how to communicate this to the rest of the student body and to get, to get the buy-in from the parents, the faculty, the admin staff, uh, the facilities management, to be able to, to get all the support they need. So we set up our first zero-wasted program at Clarion School about two and a half months ago. So we gave these seven students, and we call them zero-waste heroes. We sensitized them about the topic. They're now well on the way to measuring their own waste every single day, talking to their friends about not keeping their waste in the lunchbox and taking it home, but even if you don't want to eat something and you are going to throw it away, let's at least throw it away in the right container and why. And we got all the kids to plant vegetables and sow seeds, and we're hoping to take the topic from food waste to then, of course, plastic and water and electricity around the whole yeah, discussion of waste. And definitely, when you plant the seed about any topic, I'm sure it opens people and young minds. Is there any way we can see this as a loop in the sense that where does food waste come from? There are so many causes to food waste. And when you look at the food value chain, from the preparation of the land to the input of fertilizers and energy, the sowing of seeds, the growing the harvesting, the transportation, the, the storage, the preparation, the serving, and the consumption, and then, of course, the waste. There's a huge value, value chain involved in this whole process. And just to quote a few figures, like fruit and veg that you see on the supermarket shelf, that's, of course, there. It looks great. It's a perfect size, perfect shape, the perfect color, because it made the cut. Now, 30 to 40% of all the fruit and veg we grow doesn't even make it to the shelf. So all that energy, all the water, the resources put into growing it is completely wasted. And all the greenhouse gases associated. And, of course, when you throw it away, the greenhouse gases associated with the decomposition of this food waste. 
ugly fruit, as we all know, or aesthetically challenged, or whatever you want to call the, the fruit and veg, are not aren't making the cut because we as consumers always expect perfection. And it's kind of a, a vicious circle, really, because the merchandisers think we expect perfection. And I think, we, I guess we've been raised to think that anything that looks weird or dodgy and has a brown spot on it can't be good for our health. But yet, weird uh, carrots might actually be healthier for us than the perfect carrot, right? Because it hasn't been genetically modified or it's grown in its own natural way and it's not perfect. So there's huge waste on the upstream side, production, because of the choices we make. There's a lot of other waste because of how we consume with our eyes as well in restaurants, right? We want to eat a lot. We want to get value for money. We order a lot. We land up not eating maybe a third of that. And that actually is in, is in parallel to the global figures of food waste, which is of all the fruit and veg and meat and everything that we grow and produce annually, one-third is wasted, which is enough food to feed the 812 million food-insecure people with three meals a day, four times over. So that's a, a lot of waste that's happening. Tremendous. It's a shame. Yeah. We should all be ashamed yeah. of this. Well, well, we should do something about it. So Terra Loop works closely with companies to figure out a solution towards handling their food waste. This is not without its challenges. You won't believe how much is happening on the ground, how much waste is going to landfill of perfectly good, unopened, still-in-boxes food. A room full like this, unbelievable volumes. We look at food loss and waste solutions holistically, upstream as far as possible in this country because we import 80 to 90% of our food. We're not really to, able to go up, further upstream to the farming side as much. We can, of course, there are local farmers and great local farmers, but they're less of our clients that work directly with them. So we, we focus on the, production, uh, or the purchasing side. So food cost reduction is our door opener in the conversation. We've helped to reduce one of our clients' food costs by 3.5%, where the volume of food waste as well was reduced by 35%. Right? And when you're wasting 2.5 to 3 tons of food waste a day, this is a hotel, that 35% is a, is a very good figure to be able to save. What happens um, with all the waste that is composted? Is there a second life here for this new fertilizer? Are hotels ready to use it in their properties? If they don't have a bigger property with the landscaping, um, what do they do with it? Yeah, that's actually one of the problems we faced in the beginning because everybody wants to compost, but then what to do with all this compost? Because they didn't realize that if you're throwing away a ton of food a day, you're getting about 200 kilograms of compost a day. Now, most hotels don't use 200 com kilograms of compost in a year, maybe, depending on the size of the hotel or if they have landscaping. So some of the clients, some of the, the suppliers that we use to supply the technology would actually collect the compost if the hotels can't use it. That's one option. If it's in a hotel that doesn't have landscaping and you want to use a different kind of technology, you have the option of digesting it. So the food waste goes into a huge, imagine a mechanical stomach, stainless steel stomach with enzymes in it that break down all the food waste and release the nutrients into the waste stream, the wastewater stream, which doesn't clog up the wastewater uh, pipes, it doesn't add to any fat, oils or grease in the lines, and 
most of the water we use here in the UAE goes into some kind of a sewage treatment facility, right, which then gets recycled as treated sewage effluent, TSE, which gets used for irrigation. So a hotel can reduce its landfill contribution volume, dry up its waste streams, and not have to deal with compost if they use the digesting option. So they don't have to have landscaping. So for common people like me, these digesters uh, are, you put all the food inside, all the waste, and it gives you water. Yeah. In how long? Depending on whether it's a lettuce or an orange, or meat or a bone, it ranges from three hours to 18 hours. It's super powerful patented enzymes, which are, there's a, very different recipes for them. Yeah, some that operate on hot water, some operate on room temperature water, that are voracious eaters. And because they're operating on such a, a minuscule level, they eat the cell cells, they release, they break the cells of the plant or animal material, and the water is automatically released, and then they consume all the nutritious parts. So the population of enzymes thrive when you add new food waste. They consume everything, and they break it down, just like your stomach operates, basically. So these enzymes grow? Yeah, they multiply. The populations multiply. So what do you do after a while? Do you need to remove some enzymes from the machine? or Because it's water-based and it's aerobic, so it needs oxygen, and you're adding food waste daily, populations fluctuate. So if, there's, if you add a little bit of food waste 20 times a day, every time you add, the populations increase. But you add water to help flush, right? But every time you flush food waste, you're flushing enzymes. So the technology, which is fantastic, it's got a way to measure the waste volume, the temperature, the, the level of enzymes based on the digestion rate. It's connected to the Internet. I get the notifications on my phone. It understands its health. It's like you can go to the doctor and have your health analyzed, or you know based on your energy levels. The computers based in these machines know how fast the digestion is happening and whether or not to replace enzymes. So... It, they get flushed based on the balance in the system. So yes, you need to add six, 12 months down the line. You need to supplement for certain technologies. And others you need to add every month. But because they're growing and you're flushing, there's a balance. My next question is, why is this not mandatory for all restaurants and hotels? And now you're going to tell me it's financial. Is it very expensive to have these technologies in your hotel or in your restaurant? It is expensive if you're looking at your budget right your waste management budget and you're in an emirate that charges a nominal fee for disposing of waste or you are an entity that doesn't pay for waste to be disposed that hundred thousand two hundred thousand five hundred thousand dirhams whatever the size of machine you might be wanting to buy to 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 cater for your waste might seem as as an unreasonable cost to incur So yes, it might be seen as expensive. But compare that to your hotel's electricity bill or water bill or any of your other expenses, it's nominal. It's really a small expense in the big picture. If you look at the carbon footprint, you can mitigate, right? Which is, I think we're at the stage now where we can consider that as part of our ROI, right? But And that's why we do these audits, so we can really look at the entire operation. What is the food cost potential to be reduced? What is the waste haulage fees that can be reduced? What is the carbon footprint mitigation? Right. So all the different nodes where you can save money help the client to then identify and motivate why they can put this item in their CapEx budget and how they can reduce on their OPEX, their operational 
expenses over two, three, four years. You can pay off technology, sometimes one year. The recent case study which we did, we paid off a huge investment over seven months. And that's not a that's two huge machines to digest. Sorting tables, all all the entire project costs all paid off in seven months. But these are unique cases, right? The more standard would be two, three years, but then you need to make sure you manage your operation properly. And forget about measuring and reductions. Because if you're not reducing continually and reach the optimum, then you fall back into old habits and the machines just sit there and they don't get utilized properly and they don't pay themselves off. So it's about putting the right technology in at the right cost and maintaining it, but getting some support, some pressure, if you want to call it, from government, legislation, increasing tipping fees at waste at landfill would help tremendously. Yeah, streamlining streamlining operations so that you don't spend so much, you can save money. So I read a couple of weeks ago this entrepreneur in Mexico that found out about all the waste around the production of avocados Mm -hmm. and all the pits that were just thrown uh, and sent to landfill. And now he's getting all those pits and he's made a material that's so strong Mm -hmm. that's almost indestructible and they're making a reusable cutlery uh, that is at the end biodegradable. So if it breaks, you can throw it in a composter. They're actually making uh, crates out of it and now maybe also they're looking into pallets in the same way with uh, pineapples. Have you seen yeah, that pineapple? Leather, exactly. And, and yoga clothing from coffee beans. And you can buy coffee cups made from the husk and the coffee grounds themselves. There's amazing things. So one of the ideas we, we're playing around with is a concept called rescoop. It's literally rescued fruit and veg turned into ice cream and uh, sorbets. So the idea I was telling you about the food uh, food bank hub being connected with a fruit and veg market would have a complementary. I like using shipping containers because they're modular, they're upcycled, they're scalable, and they're quite attractive as well. And you can position them anywhere really. You can stack them. Is having a rescoop facility connected to the food bank, where a certain portion of the good fruit and veg that's still edible goes into the rescoop processing facility hub, which turns it. Take, takes your orange and your mandarin and your avo and whatever it is and produces ice cream right? that you sell right there or distribute. So you have seasonal and as per whatever, inverted commas, waste gets generated, your flavors are then derived. And you could have nuts, you could have all kinds of spices collected from, from supermarkets that are deemed to be wasted or expired, directed to a facility that produces something that people love. I mean, who doesn't like some kind of an ice cream, whether it's dairy-free, you know, ice lollies, sorbets. So you can have these cool flavors produced responsibly at source, diverting waste and highlighting the problem. It's still literally in the idea phase. We've played around with it um, and we've called it rescoop because of obviously scoop, but it's, it's reworking, but it's also rescuing, right? And so a couple of us have got together um, pastry chef, uh, photographers, all pa- people passionate about the topic. We actually made 23 flavors from waste, from, from a fruit and veg market in Russell Kamer, where we just gave them flavor one, two, three, up to 23. And we invited a whole lot of friends together, and we had two, kilo, two, two liters per flavor, and we all had feedback forms. 
and we evaluated everybody's feedback based on the flavors. We didn't give anybody any of the names of what the ingredients were. And they had to come up, they had to identify the ingredients, tell us what, you know, what satisfaction level and what you, which one you liked, of course. So that's how far we got. And the next stage, of course, is to develop more of a business model around it and pitch it for funding because it's something that I think would attract um, some cool funding. As expected, handling food waste is a collective problem. Partnerships, part of the Sustainable Development Goals, Goals 17, have to define how we deal with this problem. And I hope that TerraLoop continues its hard work not just to provide technologies, but also to educate people of the benefits and how to go about it. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. You can follow us on Instagram or visit goombook.com for more information. Bye-bye.